Thank you for listening to this podcast of the teaching of Walford Kaufman. This series is on the book of Revelation. Please get your Bibles out as this episode gives us an introduction of this wonderful book. Before we begin this Revelation study on Revelation 9 verses 1 through 12, let's have a prayer. Father, thank you for your precious word. And now as we study this this really special book of Revelation, Lord, let us not get caught up in all these little things, but the message that you have for us for this moment. And Lord, thank you. Thank you that you give us your word to guide us, to lead us, but also to help us that we can reach to others. So bless each one in Jesus name. Amen. So there we are. We're going to be looking at Revelation 9 verses 1 through 12. And this is the second part of the six trumpet judgments. Now, the first four trumpet judgments focus on the physical realm, what's happening on earth. But now we're going to be looking into the spiritual realm, the the heavenlies. And when I say heavenlies, I don't mean heaven as such, but that that surrounds the earth. And so there we look now at first the pit is unlocked. The pit is unlocked. That's in verses 1 and 2 of chapter 9 of Revelation. And the fifth angel sounded his trumpet, and I saw a star that had fallen from the sky to the earth. The star was given the key to the shaft of the abyss. And when he opened the abyss, smoke rose from it like the smoke from a gigantic furnace. And the sun and sky were darkened by the smoke from the abyss. There we see the pit is unlocked. And at first the thing is a star from heaven falls again. Now, you know, we've already talked about stars falling before, meteorites and uh, all these other things that fall from the sky. But this is not that kind of star. This is a angelic being, and that's Satan himself. Satan. He's a leader of all the fallen angels. You'll read more about that in Isaiah 14, verses 12 through 15, and Ezekiel 28, 12 through 16. But please realize, this is not Satan's original rebellion. You know, when he's tossed out of heaven, the jealousy he had for God and getting some of the other angels to rebel with him, and he was tossed out. But this is not the original rebellion. For there, in that original rebellion, he was able to retain access to God's presence. God allowed him to come back into heaven and debate him, to question him. And he was always constantly accusing believers. Well, so-and-so, and and you remember even Job? I mean, Satan went to, to heaven in God's presence and questioned this man named Job. But that's not happening here. But what we see is during tribulation, he, that Satan and his demons, will be defeated and cast down to the earth. And so there he'd be tossed in this bottomless pit. In the Greek, it's called abusos. That appears seven times in Revelation. And there Satan will be held prisoner for 1,000 years. 1,000 years of peace. Thousand years, the kingdom of God uh, rules. All this goes on, but then, but then, what happens is Satan will receive the key to the abyss from Jesus. That's right, from Jesus. If you go back to Revelation one eighteen, there it says Jesus is the holder of that key. 
And so Satan cannot take it from him. It has to be given to Satan by Jesus. And there we see smoke. That refers sometimes as holy things. You see that in uh, Revelation 8.4 and in Revelation 15.8. But most of the time when you see smoke, it refers to judgment. You'll see reference to that in Revelation 9, 17 and 18, Revelation 14, 11, and then still some other verses. Yes, holy things, but most of the time, judgment. And there we see the polluting the sky, which symbolizes the corruption of hell. Can you imagine hell and what it held for 1,000 years and then all of a sudden, it's open up. No wonder all this rushes out to cover the earth, polluting the sky because of all the corruption of hell. But then we see the power is unleashed. The power is unleashed. It's starting there in verse 3. And out of the smoke, locusts came down uh, out uh, upon the earth and were given power like that of scorpions of the earth. They were told not to harm the grass of the earth or any plant or tree, but only those people who did not have the seal of God on their foreheads. They were not given power to kill them, but only to torture them for five months. And the agony they suffered was like that of the sting of a scorpion when it strikes a man. During those days, men will seek death, but will not find it. They will long to die, but death will elude them. So this power is unleashed. And there's the imagery of smoke. It, yes, we see the and the smoke locusts came down upon the earth. There we see it's displaying the power of the locust-like creatures. Now I use that terminology, locust-like creatures. But locusts can give that impression. Back in 1889, it is documented there was a swarm of locusts over the Red Sea. It was so large, this swarm of locusts, it was reported to have covered over 2,000 square miles. 2,000 square miles. But what we see here, these are not your normal locusts. And the reason why I say that, uh, they were not normal locusts, for they inflicted pain like scorpions. Well, guess what? Locusts cannot do that. They might aggravate you to death, but they will not inflict pain, like scorpions, of course. And then they did not devour plant life. There's already reference that in, in 8-7 when this all this was going on, on the earth, that these animals came and destroyed the plant life, these locusts, but not these. Now, see, locusts, they're designed, they're made. I mean, they are a uh, eating machine. They will eat each other. Anything, I, I think I've heard, anything that has protein, they will devour it. But see, these animals do not do that. And then we also see they have a king over them. They have a king over them. Locusts do not act like bees or other uh, swarming type animals where there is a, a king bee or, or, or a queen bee or some leader. No, they don't have that. But here's a little side note in this particular study. Some time has passed since the first trumpet judgment. Remember the first trumpet judgment, what was happening on earth? All the grass was scorched. Uh, but now 
it has been enough time that now it's regrown and it but it's not to be touched these animals not going to kill that grass at this time but why the pain and not death they were instructed this locust type creature were not to kill people just to inflict pain well several reasons it was to bring the demons into direct contact with unrepentant people see unrepentant people those that uh, did not know christ they could always say well you know the lord did this and uh, it's just an accident this they're able now to see these demons because these demons are what causing this pain these scorpion type stings and so they're coming in contact and they all they can say is satan is doing this but also uh people will have time to get saved it's awful they have to go through that pain but if they died they wouldn't have that chance to accept christ for five months five months which is strangely enough is the normal life span for locusts uh, a normal lifespan, but there they had five months to get saved. Uh, see, they during those five months they were hear the message of salvation in Jesus through the one thousand four what one thousand four hundred forty four evangelists. Uh, let me get that number right for you. One hundred forty four thousand. That sounds more like it, doesn't it? One hundred forty four thousand Jewish evangelists will be preaching the gospel. There will be two witnesses that we're going to study later on that actually killed on the streets of Jerusalem. But they are able to rise up from death and still share the gospel. And there's going to be other believers. Five months It's terrible to think about the pain. But if they had died, they wouldn't be able to chance to hear the message. And then... There's the dream of worldwide peace. It will die. See, the Antichrist, prior to this, has been preaching this social gospel, if you want to call it, that everything is going to be great. Everything is going to be fantastic. Well, these people are going through five months of pain. It is not going to be worldwide peace. And so they see who the Antichrist really is. And another thing I thought about is no escapism. No escapism. See, we live in a day of escapism. I mean, from people going to the movies, people going to the beaches, going to the mountains, uh, taking cruises. Uh, I mean, you just name it. Uh, going, getting home and locking all the doors and turning on the TV and nobody's going to bother them. During these five months, there's not going to be hiding away from this agony and pain. Everybody will have to go through this that does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. So no escapism. And then we see the appearance is unveiled there in verse 7. And the locusts looked like horses prepared for battle. On their heads they wore something like crowns of gold and their faces resembled human faces. Their hair was like women's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. They had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the thundering of many horses and chariots rushing into battle. And they had tails and stings like scorpions. And in their tails they had power to torment people for five months. All this is going on. The appearances being unveiled. We've we already seen that they were called locusts. But, but this is cause of the massive number that was there. 
and they bring devastation and they bring rapid judgment. And if it's according to what translation you're reading, you might see words like like or as appeared to be. What John is trying to do is use natural and familiar uh, analogies for us to get the idea. I mean, this is John that's been transported in the spirit to heaven and he's able to see all this going on. But, you know, he is still trying to translate that into some kind of language that we in the, whatever day we read the book of Revelation to understand. And that's why you see words uh, like horses and uh, like crowns of gold. All these were to get an idea. But let's look at some of these things. Here were horses prepared for battle. What we know about them is they're warlike. They're powerful and defiant. Horses, do we have horses in army today? No, we got tanks and military, uh, uh, personal military uh, haulers, uh, probably a better terminology for that, but uh, personnel carriers. And then all these other devices on tracks. But these are horses prepared for battle. And the, But the key is they're very powerful and they're defiant. The next is crowns like gold. And what that is representing is they're invincible. They've got the authority. They've got the power. They've got the influence. What can stop them? Invincible. But then like Faces of men, faces of men, this means they're rational beings. They're not uh, robots. They're not puppets. They're not going through the motion. These are being used. Yes, God sent them out uh, or allowed them out. Maybe a better terminology to use. Allowed them out, but they are rational. They can think. They're knowing what they're doing. But strangely, isn't it something? Hair of women. Hair of women. Uh, let's get on the feminine side. No, that's not the terminology really here. But saying they have hair of women is they're seductive. I mean, think about it. They're rational beings. They're invincible. They're warlike, powerful, defiant. But at the same time, they can attract people, seduce them. But isn't some of the most powerful things of today of destruction? seductive look what drugs and alcohol immoral sex all these things are seductive but leading to hell and then we see as teeth uh, or like teeth of lions uh, of course that would represent fierce fierce but not just fierce but they are tearing their victims apart I mean, they can rip them to shreds. Nothing will be left. And then breastplates of iron. Their invulnerability. I mean, what can attack them? What can destroy them? Nothing. Breastplates of iron, invulnerability. And then wings was like the sound of chariots. Uh, I've heard some people, we have several in our church that fought in Vietnam. Of course, if you've seen the movies of those helicopters that would come over the jungles, especially when there would be many of them flying in, they said the sounds was unbelievable. I mean, uh, just, I would just would tear your ears apart. 
uh, tear your ears up as you heard this. But here it represents wings was like the sounds of chariots, which means there's no escaping. There's no place to hide, no place we can outrun them. You can't get away from this. And then the comparison of the demons to scorpions. That is symbolic that their mission is to hurt people. They're not there to bless you. They're not there to help you. They're not to say, you need to get your life straight. Their mission is to hurt you. That's what they're going to be doing. All this. But then the prince is unmasked. The prince is unmasked. And you find that in verse 11. It says, They had as king over them the angel of the abyss, whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, or in Greek, Apollyon. And so there we see two names describing, and but I'll go ahead and say this, most likely not Satan. For at this time, uh, his domain is the heavenlies. He's not associated with the abyss until he's cast into it later on. We see that in verse uh, chapter 20, verses 1 through 3. So the best way to look at this particular one here is uh, a king over the angel of the abyss is that he is a very high-ranking demon. Uh, but strangely enough, both those names, the one in Hebrew, the one in Greek, both of those names means destroyer. Destroyer. So now, let's take a little quick sigh of relief. That's what they did in the scripture. But then, oh no, it's going to get worse. And that's what happens in verse 13. But in verse 12, you look at it, it says, And the first woe is past, but two other woes are yet to come. Two other woes are yet to come. And that's what goes on here. And so we see now the release of demons. That's starting in verse 13. And the sixth angel sounded his trumpet. And I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar that is before God. It said to the sixth angel who had the trumpet, release the four angels who are bound at the great river Euphrates. Wow. Well, the voice here that we hear, I heard a voice coming from the horns of the golden altar. Well, there's two options there. It could be the lamb. That's Jesus Christ because he's already at the throne. Or it could be the angel that we read about in chapter 8, verse 3. that uh, The angel that's standing near the gold altar of in incense. It could be the one. So, I mean, you can debate it, but uh, not really that much difference in the concept here. Uh, so we don't really know about the, uh, the voice, but we do know this. We know the location is the four horns of the golden altar of God. The four horns of the golden altar of God. That's where the incense representing the prayers of the people was burnt. Now, the prayers of the martyred saints pleaded with God for vengeance. Remember that in chapter 6, verses 9 through 11? So, we know it's at the golden altar of God. And then we see the release of the four angels. But they're not real angels here. They're not real angels. For angels are never recorded as being bound. Why would you record, uh, excuse me, bound a, um, an angel? They're obedient. They're loving. They're uh, about God's work. 
So they were under God's control. So these are not uh, these are not real angels here, and for they're they're bound and now being released, and they were instruments of divine judgment. You got to remember this: that they could not do their work unless God lets them go. And so they may have been demons that controlled the four major world empires: uh, Babylon, uh, Medo Persia. Greece and Rome. If you want some more study on that, check out Daniel, the 10th chapter. But these are most likely are the four demons that control the four major world empires. But then we see the return of death. Verse 15. And the four angels who had been kept ready for this very hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. And the number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their numbers. The horses and riders I saw in my vision looked like this. Their breastplates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as suffer. The heads of the horses resembled the heads of lions. And out of their mouths came fire, smoke, and suffer. A third of the mankind was killed by the three plagues of fire, smoke, and suffer. They came out of the, that came out of their mouths. And the power of the horses was in their mouths and in their tails, for their tails were like snakes, having heads with which they inflicted injury. And the rest of mankind that were not killed by these plagues still did not repent of the work of their hands. They did not stop worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, bronze, stone, and wood, idols that cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, their magic arts, their sexual immorality, or their thefts. All this going on here. So, death had taken a holiday under the fifth trumpet. But now, as uh, we get our math right here, under the fourth seal, one quarter of the earth population has been killed. Now, let's get that. In chapter 6, verse 8 of Revelation, one quarter of the earth population has already been killed. Now, what's happened here in the ninth chapter is one third of mankind is killed. One third of mankind is killed. Folks, this just completely disrupts human society. I mean, how, how can you live with basically uh, almost one out of every two people dying during this time? All this is going on. Uh, if you add those two numbers together, that's how many have died. And all that goes on here. How, how are you going to handle all the bodies? Here's the thing. How are you going to bury all the... Can you bury them all? I mean, if you tried to burn, you know, even cremate them all, can you imagine the massive uh, smoke that would be put out? I mean, we're talking about bodies on top of bodies on top of bodies sitting there rotting away. This is what people are facing as they go through their daily life. And then something you want to look at. Look at it said here, verse uh, 16. The number of the mounted troops was 200 million. I heard their numbers. Oh my goodness. How many horsemen were there? 200 million. That's how many. 
Some feel that the plural armies may imply that the attacking forces will be divided into four armies, each commanded by one of the formal, you know, bound demons that we talked about just a little while ago. Some have wanted to point that this is actually going to be human troops. But if you really look at that scripture, uh, take some time, look at it. This is not your normal troops. This is supernatural forces here. But then in the scripture, it talked about these colors and their various plates were fiery red, dark blue, and yellow as suffer. Well, do you realize that's the colors of hell? That's a good study to do sometime. How is hell going to be described by colors? That's the colors there, folks. We fiery red, dark blue, and yellow. That's the colors of hell. Also, we see in that scripture is the fury of hell. How terrible it will be. From here on, uh, when you see the word plagues, uh, remember this is going to be a term of God's destructive final judgments. See, we, a lot of times we think of uh, plagues, we think of Moses and, and Pharaoh letting his, uh, God's people go. But in this situation, now we see God's destructive final judgments. But that reaction to defiance there in verses 20 and 21, can you believe that? Basically, half the people have been killed, all the suffering they've been going through, death is everywhere, the smoke, the, the, the flames, the, I mean, just everything. And people are still going to not only not trust God, they're going to worship Satan. That's what they do. Instead of repentance, there's worship of Satan. And there's five major sins that is there in verse 21. There's murders. Well, let me back up. Before there's that, there's also false worship. There is false worship. They worship the uh, demons uh, that look at gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood. Idols they cannot see or hear. So there's false worship. Then there, in verse 21, you see there's murders. And then... There is what well, it says in the NIV, magic arts. But if you go studying the Greek and look at this, the terminology, the, the phrase that they use there is like pharmaceutical. In other words, drugs, drug use, a Greek word that we get pharmacy comes from that. And we see how drug use. I mean, you just think in our world today, look how much destruction is coming. People People killing others to get $2, $10 so they can go buy drugs. And there's a new drug that's hit the streets just in the past uh, few days in our local area that's going to be worse than cocaine and all these other things. So our country, our world today is being destroyed by drugs. So we got false worship, murder. Then there's drug use. There's sexual immorality. I mean, where do we start with that? It covers everything. I mean, sexual immorality. Uh, I mean, from the homosexuality, uh, lesbians, uh, you know, the open marriages. I mean, just, I mean, just everything that you've got going on in this day and time. So sexual immorality. But then stealing. Stealing, it goes on. There are thefts. Now, stealing is bad. It is awful. But I want to close with this thought. Those who have made it, those who are still alive at this time, how many of them are stealing not because they need it for themselves, 
But what about if you had a child? You had a child that was sick and you couldn't get the medicine. What about if you had a wife that was starving to death and you didn't have food? What about if your neighbor has stockpiled all this water, clear, pure water, and all you had was this dirty, um, polluting type water to drink? See, yes, stealing is bad enough. But how many in those end days will turn to this type of lifestyle just to survive? Now, think about this. For those who know Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, we don't have to go through that. Give Him praise. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank You that we trust in You that you won't, we won't have to go through this. These things will happen to those who say no. So Lord, I pray if there's anyone that's listening to this that has never accepted You as Lord and Savior, that they realize what they may have to face if you come to carry your church home and you toss all this on us. Lord, for those who are left behind. So now, let us get our hearts right and let us share with others the need for them to get their hearts right. Thank you what you're going to do in our life as we walk with you today. In Jesus' name, amen.